Welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Christopher Anderson. I'm the host for this episode, which is being recorded here on location at the Gaylord Hotel in unbelievably beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. This hotel is amazing. Um, and joining me, I have Pegeen Turner. And Pegeen is with Legal Cloud Technology. And uh, we just watched a really cool talk that she gave. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for letting me come. You're welcome. So before we get to the topics that you talked about, just a uh, Introduce yourself. Like, where do you work? What do you do? I said the name of your business already, but uh, what does that business do? Legal Cloud Technology. Yes, I am a legal technology consultant based in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I have had my own consulting business for about 13 years, and I help attorneys integrate technology into their practices. So I really try and make sure that they are using the technology that they have. So your talk focused a lot on, on some Clio stuff, and obviously we're here at the Clio conference, but, sure. but you deal with a lot of other technologies as well. Absolutely, yes. Clio, Clio is a big piece of my, uh, of my practice, but yes, I work with lots of different practice management systems, document management systems, still moving people from server-based systems to cloud-based systems. Uh, it's not, as, not as, as much anymore, but I'm still surprised all the time how many people are still using integrated technology. Indeed. You know, we should really schedule you on the Unbillable Hour, another Legal Absolutely. Talk Network show, yeah. um, uh, to, to talk about some of this stuff. That'd be great. Awesome. But for today, let's talk about what you talked about at the Clio conference. Um, the talk was titled, Best Practices for Running Client-Centered Law Firms. And of course, Jack has his book, about client-centered law firms, so it's very topical, well done. But you gave 10 tips, and I don't think we'll be able to cover all 10, so I've picked out a few that I think would be of great value to the listeners uh, that, that, that will be hearing us talk here today. Awesome. So the first one was, and this one is, I think, what I've been seeing is it's old as the hills, but it's being used in new and much more powerful ways, which is to create easy-to-use intake forms, because yes. One of the problems with intake forms in the past has been, so there they are, you've, intake, you've intaked all the information, intaked, intook, intaked all the information, and now you've still got to hand copy it or you know, introduce human error in using it in the various ways that you might want to use it. Sure. Um, but so talk first about why even creating easy to use intake forms was one of the tips you wanted to uh, suggest people use. Well, I, I think it's such a huge time saver for so many firms. If they're having their clients fill out that information, not only is it a time saver for the firm, but it's also more accurate. They're going to spell their child's name correctly. Yeah, yeah. So all of that data that is very personal to them, they're going to make sure that it makes sense. And I think the other big piece regarding intake forms is not only putting the data in, but getting it automatically into another system. Right. So that enter data once and use it again and again. Because once that data is in there, you can just, you, there's lots of stuff that you can do with it uh, once it gets once it gets in there. Yeah, and one of the like one of the sub items in that you mentioned was uh, intriguing to me was short. Keep them short. Yes. And I wanted to kind of ask you about that. Not only why, so we'll you know what? Let's start with why, and then I'll have a follow up question. Sure. I recommend short intake forms because I think the biggest complaint about firms that are leveraging intake forms is that people don't fill them out. And I said, well, why don't they fill them out? Because they're too long and people don't have three hours to fill out an intake form or they don't have all that information readily available to them. So by 
using those short intake forms, you get the data that you need, and then you can ask for additional information as you're as you're going along, and then people will fill it out. And that was my follow-up question. I was like, so you could you can take what you need right now, and then um, you know, using Clio's new partner, LawYaw, or or other technologies, like you can. There are more forms. You don't have to get it all at once, right? Yes, and I think that's that's a big misconception is I need all of this information for an estate plan and I need to get it Why I have engaged them the very first time. And you may not need it until months down the road, but uh, you feel like you have to gather it right away. And that's certainly not the case. Right, and then I find like actually some people do gather so much right up front and then they realize when they need to use it. They need to update it because it might be stale. It might it might have changed. Absolutely, absolutely. But the fact that clients are actually using intake forms is great. It's just don't use paper intake forms. Let's use electronic intake forms in whatever form or fashion or whatever CRM you're using. It doesn't have to be a Clio Grow. It can be anything. Sure. But get that data in there so then you can use it again. Uh, and then the, the other part that you talked about that I thought was very important. So you, you amused me. Um, during your talk, you said that one of the attorneys you were working with had the, the line item, um, please name your tort feeser. Like, <laughs> like, this is like I, I, even when you said it, like, it didn't strike me right away as, as a term. I, I, I'm a lawyer. I know what that means, but sure. it's like, it was weird. Yeah, and that's so true because people get this information back and they're like, why aren't they answering the question correctly? I said, look at the question. This is not English. It's legalese, and yes, you understand it, but your client who has never been engaged in any kind of matter with you or has never visited an attorney before has no idea what that is. So it's so important to, if you're getting bad information or not getting information back that you want, make sure you're looking at the content of your form as well to make sure it makes sense to a regular non-attorney person. Yeah, and then I thought your other point was really, really like talk about client-centered. Uh, you made the point of like, you just, we already did like just now, you said if they're not finishing it, shorten it, right? Absolutely. But you also made the point of like, if they're answering your questions wrong, they're not. That's right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it truly is the biggest complaint for uh, for lots of firms that are using intake forms. Well, they're not answering the questions correctly. Like you're, as you're, you're asking the wrong question or you're not asking it in a way to get that answer back. And you really need to make sure that you are modifying those those forms so they can uh, they can answer the question correctly yeah no, in mean, the way you want to have them and then you know I think we made the point but like just to drive it home like that enables you to then have better output documents right because Absolutely. your output documents are going to have fewer errors or at least if there are errors are there errors that your client gave you <laughs> absolutely yeah no clients aren't perfect when they're entering data but at least you have you don't have to worry about you transposing uh, transposing people's names it's if they made a mistake then it's 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 on them and well that was the information you gave me and I'm using it in a document which is really what why you're gathering that data is to be able to generate documents better documents faster because you take the data they they gave you and then push it into documents, whether it's somebody's name or birth date or social security number and all those little pieces of information that, that they are trying to tell you. And then you need to, you can use it later on in generating your exactly. documents. That's so important. Like it keeps the information the same and, and correct. Yes. Let's shift topics a little bit because one of the other ones, uh, you know, like I said, you did 10. We're going to do like three if we're lucky. Mm -hmm. um, but one that I thought was really jumped out is something that, that leveraging technology as a best practice for running a client-centered law firm, nothing will drive your clients more batty than missing a deadline, whether it's a deadline with a meeting with them or you know malpractice-type deadlines, whatever they might be. So you, you talked about a couple of strategies for making sure 
And I, I think it's important when we talk about because when you say deadlines, lawyers immediately go to, oh, God, Mr. Court deadline. I don't do that. I've got this docketing system and that docketing system. Yes. But let's talk about it more writ large. Like, how can, because you said it's a big complaint, right? It is. How can lawyers do better to not miss deadlines by leveraging the technology that's in front of them? Well, I think so many attorneys rely on Outlook. And Outlook, it's not a docketing tool. It's right. really its really not. It is for your doctor's appointments. It's for your, your, your mediations. And so it's really mixing everything together. So if you can use technology to centralize all of the matter-specific deadlines in one place, as well as the meetings that you have, as well as anything that's related to the matter, it's in all one in one central location for you to make sure that you know exactly what has happened in the past and exactly what is coming up in a matter. Are you recommending that that become the sole calendar, or like is it really just how to can it be used among your calendars? Well, I think it needs to be. You need to have a single source of truth. Yes for all of your calendar items with related to the matter. So apart from your doctor's appointments and everything else, but but if you if you gather all that data in one place, then you know exactly where exactly what what you need to focus on and you don't have to you're using that as as a docketing tool. And that's really what what it is. Is it a perfect docket, docketing tool? No, but if you don't have a docketing tool, it is it's a it's a great place to start. Sure. Lots of firms use a separate docketing tool and that whether it's for trademark deadlines, that's not necessarily included in Clio. But if you are just getting started in the in, in leveraging a calendar by having all that data in one place, you're not going to search for Outlook to see, all right, well, what's coming next? Because again, that's not a it's not a docketing tool. Yeah, and you made you made a really good point during that also that there's like a real value add in communicating with your clients better because if you use the Clio calendar that also in the Clio for Clients portal um, helps to communicate what's going on with them. Absolutely, yes, and they stay up to date, that you can invite them to meetings, everything is part and you're communicating with them all at the same time. Letting them know what's happening in their matter and since that's the biggest complaint that firms get, as much information as you can give to them, the better. And how do you uh, recommend clients also take advantage of the Clio acquisition of, uh, of calendar rules or court rules? So I don't think people necessarily know about it. Yeah. I think it's a big myth. So tell it's them. What do, you, what do they need to know? <laughs> so all of the court rules are available to, uh, to Clio clients really right at their fingertips. You have 10 jurisdictions that you can take advantage of by adding those 10 jur jurisdictions to Clio. And then as you add items to your, to your calendar, Ticklers and other reminders come up for you automatically, and it's like it's truly like having an expert paralegal in your pocket mm -hmm. because yeah. they can make sure that when this date changes, then the rest of the dates change right. as a result. So you're you have less human error for those kind of uh, for those kind of court dates, and that's really how you're going to keep track of of any any dates that uh, that are relied on by you. So for those who don't know about it, like how like what's a good way for a law firm to get started using calendar rules? As as long as you have access to it, you don't not all Clio right. uh, uh, Clio subscriptions have access to it, but it's really just a matter of turning on the jurisdictions and settings and okay. court rules and pick your 10 jurisdictions. And then when you go to create a calendar entry, one of the options is to add a, add a calendar item or add a court rule to your yeah. calendar. Very easy to do. Fantastic. All right. So then let's go to the third one. This one is, is particularly exciting for me um, as, uh, as I think a huge area for improvement. 
Um, and then uh, you know, Jack gave a talk this morning about the uh, in the, the legal technology report about how awful we still are about collecting. Once a bill goes out, we have 89% collection rate. But um, the time on desk is what we call it. But he called the, I'm trying to remember, the lockup time. Yes. Lockup time is outrageously long. Like, uh, I think it was uh, law firms are on average are, are, from the time they deliver the work, are waiting five months or so to get paid. Yes. Just completely, like, that's all this cash that you could be putting to work for your business that you're not. And one of the tools that we were talking about, one of the tools you talked about, um, was making payments easier for your clients. Yes. So talk a little bit about that. How can we make payments easier for our clients? So if you're using Clio, Clio makes every, uh, tries to make the payment process very, very easy. But I think farms are working against themselves when uh, they are putting all their data in Clio and generating a bill and then printing it and sending it out or emailing it through Outlook and not taking advantage of the easy ways to be able to create and send bills out. They're doing it the hard way, even though Clio gives them, gives them an easier way to do it. And clients really want to be able to pay via a credit card at right. three o'clock in the morning when they get the bill. It doesn't matter that they're up and, uh, but they, they see their bill and they, they want to pay it. And, but the problem is getting them the bill. Yeah. And if they're not getting the bill in an easy way, then they're not going to pay it on time. And and I think that's the, where where you said the the piece of paper is sitting on someone's desk. Well, that's not going to get a, a bill paid. Yeah, it's just a really becomes the question of these days how people expect to pay a bill has changed. It has. And and and, yes. and so if we if the lawyers operate outside of that expectation, it's yeah, it's just going to take longer. Yes. And so and I think Jack talked about it, it was like 46% or so of people prefer to pay by credit card. And then you raised in your talk that like the lawyer's objection to that is the two to three to three and a half percent fee that they pay. And you had some pretty strong words about that. Yeah. And it's truly the biggest complaint about online payments. And my recommendation is people, your clients want to pay. So let them pay and just take the hit. Raise your, raise your rates $5 an hour to cover that credit card fee. You're doing flat fees, raise it $25 to cover that fee. Yeah. Because that way it's a no-brainer. It's not It's not an issue and you can send out the bills, you get paid faster, it is a total win-win. Yeah, and then Jack showed like Cleo's actually introducing Google Pay and Apple Pay. Which is um, awesome. To that, which is gonna like, make that process even more streamlined. Absolutely, and, and you can do Zelle, you can do all kinds of, of payment options. Whatever your client wants to pay, make that available to them, because then you're, it's money in the door. Well, Picking, you're not gonna believe this, but we are already at the end of the road for our episode. Um, I wanna thank you very much. Thank Begin, you again, so much. Begin Turner, and the business's name is Legal Cloud Technology. I wanna thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much. And if our listeners have questions or wish to follow up, how can they reach you? You can visit my website, LegalCloudTechnology.com, or my email is pturner at LegalCloudTechnology.com. Fantastic. And of course, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us in the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcasting app. Until next time, I am Christopher Anderson, and you've been listening to On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes.
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.